but uh, Brother Carl Vano is here. He's going to share with you his ministry, and uh, he's going to preach tonight, okay? So come on up here. He has uh, been serving with BIMI uh, since 81, served as a missionary in the Philippines and in Hawaii, and now he is the director of the Claim Ministry. He's been doing that since 2000, all right? And if you don't know what Claim is, he can tell you more about it, but it is Christian laymen assisting international missionaries, okay? And he will explain all of that as he uh, comes up here, okay? So y'all give me your attention tonight and welcome Mr. Carl Vano, okay? Let's have a word of prayer. Let's have a word of prayer real quick, and I'm going to turn it over to him, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for being the great God that you are. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for, Lord, our church and for our pastor. Lord, I pray you be with him and his family, Miss Robin and her family, dear Lord, and all that's going on right now, Lord, you know, each and every detail, and I pray that your hand of comfort will be on the family at this time. Lord, right now, I ask you bless his service. Lord, bless Brother uh, Carl Vano and his ministry. And Lord, may we just uh, hear from you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Carl Vano. Okay, thank you, Brother Haskett. And we will be praying for your pastor and his wife. And I just want to say thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for not sleeping yet. And uh, I'm praying the Lord will just encourage our hearts tonight through the Word of God. This church has been faithfully supporting us for many years. My wife and I have been married now 51 years. It's coming August, and we have four adult kids and 18 grandkids. It's like a rabbit farm. They keep multiplying. And uh, we, uh, we've been missionaries now 40 years. We started churches in the Philippines and Hawaii. And as of January 2000, we took the claim ministry. And most of that time, Faith Baptist Church has been supporting us. And so, to God be the glory, great things He's done. And I just want to share some things with you and commend you and then just rejoice together in what the Lord's done. But uh, we started the Harvest Baptist Church in uh, San Juan City, Metro Manila. And uh, we nationalized the church ministry. We saw the Lord save a bunch of folks and we were able to disciple them. And uh, now that church has started five other churches. And uh, some of the young other preacher boys have started churches of their own. One of the young men has been a missionary in Vietnam, and then uh, another one was a pastor in the Philippines for nine years, and the Lord called him to be a missionary to Ushuaia, Argentina, South America, the southernmost city in the world. And he didn't know it, but a few years before he went there, BIMI raised money to get Bibles down to Ushuaia, and they were praying that God would send a missionary there, and little did they know, and little did he know that God would send him 10,000 miles from home to be a missionary down there. And he started a church and a three-year Bible institute, and to God be the glory, great things the Lord is doing. And we figure there are somewhere around 20 or 25 churches that have been established from these young men. And uh, I just got a note from one the other day. He said, we were able to baptize 23 people in January and August of this year, and he's looking for King James Bibles to put in the hands of these young people so that he can train them and disciple them. And uh, another one asked for 32 Bibles that he could train his leadership and uh, we were able to get those Bibles to the, the second man that I'm talking about. So God is doing a marvelous thing, and Faith Baptist Church has made an investment in those folks over there, and you continue to invest in the souls of men around the world. And uh, this year alone, we've had 29 projects. Most of them have been here in the United States because of the pandemic, but uh, we have seen over 1,000 people make professions of faith in Christ through these 29 projects. And again, those are investments that you have made in the souls of men and it's worth it 
it's worth it if one person gets saved. I'm going to share with you tonight in the message how that God did save uh, a man on a mission trip that we made up to Alaska. And I do want to give you a few of the uh, projects that are coming up and let you know about those. Uh, we've got a project request at the Anchor of Hope Girls Home in Loosedale, Mississippi. Then at Tabernacle Children's Home in Greenville, South Carolina. They need some help on some projects there, carpentry and painting and electrical. And then there is the Harvest Deaf Ministry in Ringgold, Georgia. They're needing some help there. We've had several teams to go there and, and minister and help, but they need some more help there. Then Life Signs Deaf Baptist Church in New Albany, Ohio needs some more help. We were actually there in April and put a, a, a new shingle roof on their, their church building, 6,000 square feet. And uh, then I just came back from Honduras helping one of our missionaries, Brother Evan Williams from Ireland. And uh, we are planning to go back down there. <coughs> Excuse me just a minute. And we're planning to go back down there and help another one of our missionaries that saw me when I was down there. And he wants us to come and do some concrete work. But uh, he, he was given a shell of a building for a church. And now he needs to put the flooring in it, do some plumbing and electrical. And so I'm needing some helpers on that project as well. And then this is a pretty much annual trip that I make up to Unalakleet, Alaska. We have our missionary, Brother Pat McCoy there. He's one of the real McCoys from West Virginia. And uh, I've been up there 17 trips, and he's asking for some help. And so I'm going to need some help uh, up there to minister to the Eskimos and do some labor of love projects up there. Now, we work hard, and we witness to the people that we work and, and help minister to. But then on that trip to Alaska, we fish. I don't know if anybody here likes to fish, uh, but I've got some pictures on my phone if you want to see them after the church service night. One friend of mine from Destin, Florida, uh, went up there, and he this past summer he caught a, uh, I guess it was about a 45-pound king salmon, and that's a lot of salmon to eat. But uh, anyhow, we uh, go fishing for the souls of men, which is much more important than fishing for fish. But we're glad to be up there and to minister to the folks there. Now, I have a display table to my left out there in the lobby, and I hope that you'll go by and avail yourself of our prayer cards. My wife makes me look good on this thing, and I trust that you'll get one of these prayer cards and pray for the Bono family. And, and also, we have the claim brochures back there. Please feel free to take one of those. And uh, also, we have the World Magazine for BIMI, and we're asking you to pray. We need manpower. And we have ladies that go with us. Uh, there was a lady that just came back from Honduras that was painting the church building, uh, painting the auditorium. And uh, so we need good cooks, always need a good cook. And so I trust that you'll pray about going with us and uh, doing what the Lord can uh, do through you. You know, I was thinking of James 4, 14, the Bible declares, what is your life? Well, if we're saved, our life belongs to Him. And uh, the Bible goes on to say in that verse, it's but a vapor. I mean, it just seemed like yesterday I was 19 years old getting married, and here this week I turned uh, 70 years of age, and uh, I just thank God that he's given me strength and health, and, and I don't know how much longer he's going to give me, but I'm going to keep plugging away until Jesus comes or he takes me home. Uh, my mom was a, a, a Georgia girl from uh, Dublin, Georgia, if you know where that is, and she got saved as a 12-year-old girl, I believe it was, uh, in 1922 in a cotton gin warehouse. There in Dublin, Georgia, under the ministry of evangelist Gypsy Smith. And my mom lived until she was 105 and seven months to the day. And up until 102, she said, Carl, I want to get married again. I said, Mom, I can't push but one wheelchair at a time. <laughs> Tell you, these Georgians are, are feisty. And, uh, but she was serious about that thing. 
But uh, she kept on witnessing and telling people about Jesus right up to the end. So you know what? As long as you got breath and life, God can use you if you'll make yourself available. The last trip that I went on overseas, right as the pandemic was hitting, was in Papua New Guinea. And uh, we had a marvelous time. I went with our Bible director over there, Brother Alan Brooks. And uh, the Lord gave us an open door of opportunity to raise money and to get Bibles into the public school system. Try that here. And uh, we've been able to raise somewhere around over $3 million. And uh, we've been able to get the Bibles into the hands of the young people and the teachers in the public schools to the tune of over 700,000 Bibles so far. And there's 2.17 million young people there in the public school system that we could reach out to. And it's a modern day miracle. The uh, former vice president of our country, Vice President Pence, was governor at the time in Indiana. And he met the prime minister of Papua New Guinea and gave him a first edition King James Bible. Now, if you've ever seen them, they're, they're big. I mean, it's bigger than a family Bible. And so the prime minister of Papua New Guinea took that Bible to the parliament there in PNG and he encased it in glass and he said, this will be the foundation of what our country does in the government. Would to God our country would get back to that. That's our need. And so it's been that way over there and uh, to God be the glory, a lot of young people are getting saved and teachers getting saved, and it's transforming that country for Christ. Now, I'm going to take you there for about four and a half minutes and uh, see what God is doing over there. So if we could have the lights and the video, we'll get with it. It has really been exciting to see what God has done since He allowed us to start the Papua New Guinea Bible Project back in 2017. Obviously, things have not gone smooth all the way through, but it, it again has been amazing to watch God work and accomplish so much uh, during the time that we've been uh, working on this project. Obviously, the coronavirus has caused a bit of a slowdown and many folks are asking, what's the latest? How's it going? And so I've asked for the Alan Brooks, who has coordinated this project, to give us all an update of what God is continuing to do even in the midst of these unique days in which we're living. As we all know, the last few months have been filled with many new experiences. February and March were spent in distributing Bibles to the schools, and many of these schools were in extremely remote areas of the country. Then also, in March, we were able to bring in four new containers this brought our total of Bibles to one million Bibles. We've been able to distribute 765,000 of these Bibles. There's 235,000 more Bibles to give out. So please continue to pray. There's much work that needs to be done. When the Bibles come into the country, they come into the wharf and we must quickly get them out of the wharf and into storage areas. The Bibles come in 40-foot containers and it takes much hard labor to quickly get them unloaded and put into safe places. That statement seems so small, when in reality, it represents hours of hard work and labor. And I thank God for the men and women of Papua New Guinea who worked so hard to help us to get this done. We began to get messages concerning the coronavirus and what was happening. We were in the bush and really didn't get much news and weren't connected with what was going on in the world. 
But as we received messages, one from Australia stating that Australia was about to lock down all international travel, then we knew if we did not get out of Papua New Guinea, we may not get out for a long, long time. Brother Carl Vano, the claim director with Baptist International Missions and I were able to get on one of the last flights out of Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea then, the government locked everything down. All schools were closed. All public transportation was stopped. Domestic and international flights were stopped. Most of us all would conclude that it would have been devastating and still would if that virus was to spread in Papua New Guinea. We thank God for its protection. Now that things are beginning to open up, some of the schools are beginning to open up a few days a week, no assemblies allowed, some travel, not all travel. Some of our national pastors are beginning to do some work in very remote areas in our absence. But we're praying that God would open up the door that we could get back into Papua New Guinea, that we could get back to distributing Bibles like we had been doing. So please pray for us. The Bibles are there. They're waiting to be given out. Haggai asks the question, is the seed yet in the barn? We want to get it out of the barn and into the hearts of the young people. I would much rather be quoting Matthew 13, 3, behold, a sower went forth to sow. Please pray for us. Pray that everything would open up. Pray that we could safely get back into the country. Thank you for your continued support financially and through prayers. God hasn't brought us thus far to be stopped. We may be delayed a little bit, but by God's grace, we will finish the job. Thank you and God bless. Well, I hope that the update that Brother Brooks has given to us has been a blessing to you and an encouragement concerning what God is doing. Uh, as the President and General Director of BIMI, I just wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you to each and every one of you who have faithfully prayed and the many who have given to make this uh, project become a reality. Continue to pray with us that God would be glorified as we continue the Papua New Guinea Bible Project. Are you encouraged tonight? just to see what God's doing, and you've had a part in that by helping get me over there and helping that ministry. Uh, we were able to see uh, many young people reached with the gospel and hand Bibles to them and to the teachers, and even some of the parents got in line and said, no, no, you got to get the Bible from your student, from your child, and read theirs. We had enough for the kids, and so God's doing some wonderful things over there, and I trust that you'll continue to pray for us, the claim ministry, and for that Bible project that they have going on. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 6 tonight. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to ask you, how's your vision? How's your vision? Some time ago, I went to the uh, doctor, eye doctor, and uh, he wanted to examine my eyes. He said, sit down in the chair and read the eye chart. I said, well, I know I've got an issue because I can't see the eye chart. All I could see was the big, giant, blurry E. He said, let me look at your eyes. And he examined my eyes. He said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got a cataract in your right eye. And he says, they've got one in the left. And he said, the one in the right has got to come out now. And so he said, you need to go see an ophthalmologist. And so I went to the ophthalmologist, and he said, sit down and read the eye chart. And I said, I can't even see it. He said, let me look. He said, sure enough, you've got two cataracts. One can go now, and the one can stay for a while. I thought, well, that's not fair. Everybody else has a rink in Continentals, and I've got a cataract. And so I hope you all got that. 
pay attention. Now, don't go to sleep on me yet. And so anyhow, he prepped me for the surgery, told me what he was going to do. And then he went in and made an incision and vacuumed out the natural lens and inserted an interocular artificial lens. And uh, it was just an amazing thing after I went through the surgery. Uh, I have 20-20 vision in that eye, and both of them is 20-20, 20-25. I can read the text without my glasses, but it helps me. It, it just hurries it up if I can see it with my glasses. So it's just amazing the modern technology that God has given to mankind. I wish more doctors would give God the glory and give Him the credit for it. Now, I use that illustration to make a point. Spiritually speaking, our country has been in trouble for about five or six generations. I mean, we're, we're in a mess right now, and, and uh, we have people that say, well, there are no absolutes. You know, what you believe is okay, and what I believe is okay, everything's relative. You, you know, what you believe is okay, I, I'm okay, you're okay. We're not okay, we're in serious trouble. And whenever you turn your back on the Lord, that's what happens. Whenever you uh, have a cataract or you're, you have had one or you plan to have one in the future, it distorts your vision. It causes you to have a blurry vision at night. You're driving along the road and you have these starbursts coming at you from the headlights of the oncoming vehicles. And you look around at things and it's all kind of a dingy color instead of a bright, crisp color. And that's what happens when you have a cataract. And, and that's the issue that we have today when people get away from the Word of God then we have a distorted spiritual vision of what life's all about. And so I use that illustration to make the application that we need to get back to the Word of God. And I'm going to give you four thoughts tonight concerning our vision, spiritually speaking. I believe he's got it on the board or getting ready to put it up there. But uh, I want you to see, as we read Isaiah chapter 6, we begin in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, he was also named Azariah in the Scriptures. Thank you for standing. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the, vo the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Dear Christian, aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin? We read on in verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Look at verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to stand here behind this sacred desk and to give a report and to preach the the powerful Word of God. Holy Spirit of God, would you minister to the hearts of the saints? Pray that you would draw us closer to you, Father. And if there's anyone here tonight that's not saved, we pray, Spirit of God, bring conviction of sin and convince them that they need Christ Jesus tonight before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we pray for the pastor and his wife that you would minister in their hearts and through them uh, with the family that they're uh, trying to bring comfort to. And only you can bring that comfort. Well, Father, I pray that you'll do so. 
Father, we love you. Thank you for your love for us. And we'll give you the praise for what you're going to do tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Here the earthly king Uzziah <clears throat> is seen upon his, he, he dies and uh, then he sees Isaiah in this vision, sees the Lord sitting upon his throne. This is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And uh, we see here in the passage of scripture in verse 3, one cried unto another and said, holy, 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 the seraphim were the ones around the throne of God crying this out. And as we think about our vision tonight, you and I need a vision of the holiness of God. That would change our lives individually as Christians and as a church body collectively if we would get a vision of the holiness of God. You see, God instructs us after we're saved. He imparts to us. He gives to us the Holy Spirit who indwells this body and this is His temple. And then He says, Be ye holy even as I am holy. We're not holy in ourselves. We're sinners by birth and by choice. But once we're saved by the power of God, then He gives us His power and His holiness and so he tells us that we are to be holy. And this would uh, change our lives individually and collectively if we'd get a hold of that. You know, sometimes we, we get down in the dumps and we get in despair and discouragement and so forth. And, and we look at other people around us and we come to church and we say, well, nobody's talking to me. I guess I'll just go home and eat a can of worms. Or maybe they're talking to me too much and I don't want somebody to talk to me right now. You know, we, we get these attitudes and uh, sometimes we look around and we say, well, sometimes the preacher is going to fail us and the missionary is going to fail us, the Sunday school teacher and the deacons are going to fail us. You know what? We all fail because we're all human. But Jesus Christ will never fail us. And whenever we get down in the dumps and despair like that and discouragement, we get our eyes on people around us. Remember, you're a people. You're a human. And we need to remember what the author said in Hebrews under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured this cross and despised the shame. There was no joy in the cross. Can you imagine getting nailed to an old rugged cross? And he's the creator that created the cross and the nails. There's no joy in that, but looking beyond the cross of Calvary, Jesus saw you and me coming to him for salvation. And that's the joy that he had, that unconditional love that drew, drove him to Calvary's cross. What a Savior. We need a vision of the holiness of God. Keep your focus on the Lord tonight. Don't let other people discourage you. Keep your focus on him. Secondly, we need a vision of the sinfulness of man. In verse 5 we read, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Why were his lips unclean? His lips were unclean because his heart was unclean. You see, we're sinners by birth and by choice. The Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have a world out there tonight of over 7 billion people that need the Lord. And we need to keep that focus and get a vision of the sinfulness of man. Is it okay if I step down here? I want to get to see the whites of your eyes here. Maybe I can step down without tripping. I'm going to tell you a story, true story. This happened up in Alaska where we go in Unilocleet. There's a professional hunting and fishing guide up there. He's been there about 40 years, I think. His wife was the mayor of Unilocleet for a couple of years, a couple of terms. And so a friend of mine from Destin, Florida. You know where Destin is? Anybody know where Destin? I bet y'all go down there every once in a while, go fishing or 
or uh, get your sand buckets full of sand or you go down there, okay. Well, Fort Walton Beach is next door and that's where I'm from. That's where we live actually over in Navarre, if you know where that is. But I got saved at Calvary Baptist Church down in Fort Walton Beach in 1966 as a teenager. I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell. Realized I couldn't save myself and the Lord Jesus saved me that day and I'm so glad he did. I've never been sorry about that decision. I've been sorry a lot of times but never sorry that I trusted Christ as my Savior. And so Brother Paul Weeks lives over there in Destin and he's a general contractor. Years ago he worked for the government. He was a laser physicist for NASA and uh, he, uh, he was involved in Desert Storm and some of those things there. Uh, he can talk over your head, over my head for sure, or he can talk your level and so forth. So he went up there and was talking to this professional hunting and fishing guide up there. His name is Vance. He said, Vance, who takes you fishing? He said, nobody takes me fishing. I'm the professional hunting and fishing guide. I take people fishing. That's what I do. Well, Paul said to him, he said, I'm going to take you fishing. And he says, I'm going to pray that God will allow you to catch 10 king salmon in two hours' time. That's all the time we have to fish. I'm going to pray that God will give you 10 king salmon in two hours. And you'll realize there is a God out there that loves you and wants to save you if you'll repent of your sins and trust him as your Savior. Vance said, nobody has ever caught 10 king salmon up here in one day, much less two hours. Paul said, I'm praying that God will do it today. So they're free floating down the river there in Vance's boat. I think Vance has about four or five boats and he's free floating down the river. Paul's telling him about how to go to heaven and have his sins forgiven. Vance hooks into his first king salmon. Well, you've got to have a stamp to catch the king. And some years I think you can get one a year, maybe two a year. And if you don't have the stamp, then you have to catch them and release them in the water. You can't pull them in the boat. And so he was down on the side of the boat there at the water releasing that first king and they're still drifting down the river as he catches his second king and then his third king and then his fifth and his seventh and eighth. And on the ninth king salmon, Paul Weeks says, we're going to have a word of prayer right now and I'm going to pray that God will do something so special that you'll realize there's a God in heaven that loves you and he wants to save you if you'll repent of your sin and trust him as your Savior. So they prayed. Paul prayed right there. And they're drifting down the river and there's a limb of a tree hanging over the river. And Paul tells this professional fishing guide, throw your lure over there underneath that tree limb. So he listens to him. He throws it over there and about a foot and a half off the water, that Tenth king salmon comes up out of the water and grabs that lure and takes it down. Vance says, can you tell me again how to go to heaven? And right there and then in the boat, Vance trusted Christ as a Savior. I've got pictures to show you in my, on my phone if you want to see them later on of Paul catching the salmon and then Vance there. And it's just amazing to see how intensely interested God is in saving souls if we'll just share the good news. And you know what? He wants to use not just the pastor or the missionary to share that good news. He wants to use you. He say, what does God want me to do? He wants us to get the gospel out. He wants us to tell people how to go to heaven. I'm glad somebody told me. God help us to get a vision of the sinfulness of man, the holiness of God. Then we need a vision of hell. Luke 16, there's not... Uh, not many sermons on hell today, but Luke 16 is a true story. You've got the rich man Lazarus. 
And the rich man fared sumptuously every day. He had the best that money could afford, the best of the servants, the best of the food, the best of the purple robes. He had everything his heart desired, except his heart did not desire God. And Lazarus was begging for a few crumbs from the rich man's table. And the only friends that Lazarus had were the mutts on the street that came by and licked his sores on his body. Well, I'm just a simple preacher, but I got curious about that, and I met three veterinarians in three different churches, and I didn't tell any of those three veterinarians that I was talking to other veterinarians. And I said, let me ask you something. Is there any medicinal value in the saliva glands of dogs? And all three of them said yes. You see, God was using those dogs to minister to the sores of the body, on the body of Lazarus. The Bible says Lazarus died and the Lord sent angels to carry him into the bosom of Abraham. You know what? I think the Lord still sends angels for the child of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We go directly into his presence in heaven. And I think he's still in that, that ministry business. The Bible says that Lazarus died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Father Abraham and Lazarus afar off. He said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he might dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in torment in these flames. It's a place of torment. Hell is a place of torment. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of separation. And it's a holding pen, if you will. It's a temporary, um, you can call it a county prison or whatever you want to call it, county jail, until one day God calls up those souls of the damned out of hell to the great white throne judgment. I'll say more about that in just a minute. But then he says, no, there's a, there's a separation between us. Like we can't come to you and you can't come to us. And he said, remember, there's memory in hell, by the way. He said, remember when you were on earth, you had everything your heart desired. And Lazarus had nothing. Now Lazarus has it all and you have nothing. And then the rich man cries out. And he says, well, somehow raise Lazarus from the dead and send him back to earth to tell my five brothers about this awful, horrible, dreadful place. And as I just said, that's a temporary abode for the damned in one day. The judge of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, will raise the souls of the damned out of hell. He will take them to the great white throne judgment. He will issue degrees of punishment to them. And then he will cast them into the lake of fire where they will remain forever and ever. And when they cry out, I can't take it anymore. Get me out of here. It will be forever and ever. God stir our souls tonight. For us that are saved, heaven's a real place. Hell's a real place too, by the way. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. He said, if I go to heaven, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Don't you want your friends and your loved ones to go to heaven with you? God help us to be a witness. Get a vision of hell, a vision of the sinfulness of man, a vision of the holiness of God. The fourth vision we need is a vision of the lovely Lord Jesus. We get that in Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He bore our sins, not his. Hallelujah, what a Savior. The very Son of God who is God the Son, the virgin-born, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, as we sang about tonight, 
loved you and me and the rest of the world. He loved us so much. He humbled himself and became a man, the God-man. And he went to the cross of Calvary. He allowed himself to be ridiculed and criticized and condemned and spat on and they beat him and stripped him of his clothes and they braided a crown of thorns upon that precious brow and spurted the blood out of his head. Nailed him to the cruel cross. Mocked him. Said if you be the son of God you saved others. Now save yourself if you be the son of God in a sarcastic tone. Speared him in his side. Did so many things to him. But you know what? That was in the plan of God for you and for me. To pay for our sin debt that we couldn't pay. Because we're sinners. And God demanded the wages of sin, which is death. But it took a perfect, sinless, spotless, holy sacrifice to make that payment. And that's why you and I who are sinners could not make the payment. Because God would not accept our payment. But we know that God accepted the payment of the Son of God because He shed His precious blood for our sin payment, was buried, and hallelujah. He rose again from the grave and He's alive forevermore. That's the Savior we serve tonight. That ought to get you excited. I finished with this illustration. It was some time ago my mom and my dad were visiting my dad's family down in Fernandina Beach, Florida. If you know where that is, that's where I was born. It's called Amelia Island down there north of Jacksonville. And my dad took his contact lens out that night and he went to the bathroom and instead of going back to the bedroom, he went to the stairs and he fell 17 steps to the front door. He hit a giant vase at the front door Broke his collarbone and some ribs. They had to air vacuum by helicopter to the Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida. My mom said, if you ever want to see your dad alive again, you need to come now. They had two tubes in his mouth, a tube in his collarbone area, a couple of tubes in his rib cage area. They were trying to drain the fluids off his lungs. So we rushed down there from Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we lived at the time. And, and we got there, and my dad could never speak to me audibly as I'm speaking with you, but he tried. And I could read three words off his lips I'll never forget. Very simply this. I love you. And I knew my dad loved me because he showed me his love. I lived all over the state of Florida where I was born. We lived in, in uh, Tampa, Florida. And we moved from there to Marco Island down in the Everglades. And we lived in Naples. And then my dad's job took him in retirement to Fort Walton Beach and and uh, we used to go fishing together down there in the Everglades. And, and uh, he'd take us as a family. We'd go camping up in the Smoky Mountains. How many of y'all ever been to Cades Cove? You know Cades Cove. Okay, we'd go there. And we'd go camping out. And then we'd go across to North Carolina to the uh, Cherokee Indian Reservation. And uh, we'd go across the bridge into the Cherokee Indian Reservation to the teepee there. And uh, I had my made in China tomahawk and we'd go and I'd get to sit in the lap of the, the Indian chief. And I found out later on, he probably wasn't even an Indian chief. He was making five bucks off the white boy <laughs> by me getting my picture made. But it was fun. I knew my dad loved me because he showed me his love. He spent time with me. He invested his time with me. I knew he loved me. 
over 2,000 years ago, my Heavenly Father said to you and to me at Calvary's cross and to the rest of the world, I love you. What more could he do? How much more could he demonstrate his love to you and to me than going to Calvary? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Let me ask you tonight, and I'm done. How's your vision? How's your vision? We need a vision of the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, vision of hell, and a vision of the lovely Lord Jesus. Let's bow for prayer, please. You've been very patient and attentive, and I appreciate that so much. In just a moment, Brother Jason's going to come. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask you tonight, how many of you know for sure, no one's looking around but me, how many of you know for sure if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? You know you've been born again, you've been saved. May I see your hand as a testimony of the grace of God. Hold it up high, please. Hold it there just a moment. God bless you. What a glorious testimony of God's grace. Okay, put your hands down, please. Is there someone here tonight you say, Brother Vaughn, I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I don't know for sure if I'd go to heaven tonight or not. I just don't know that I've been born again. I sure don't want to go to hell and spend the eternity in the lake of fire with, with the devil and the demons. Is there anyone like that here tonight? You say, pray for me. I'm, I'm not saved. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Anyone like that at all? We're going to have a word of prayer this evening in just a moment. But dear Christian, examine your heart and life tonight. Look at your vision. How is your vision? Would you allow the word of God to get into your soul tonight and encourage you to see the holiness of God? Don't look at the faults and failures of humans. We all fail. But look at the holiness of God. Focus on Him. Would you allow the Word of God to speak to your heart tonight and help you to see this world is in a mess and they need our Savior? And somebody shared that good news with you and with me. Would you be stirred in your soul tonight to say, I'm going to get some gospel tracts. I'm going to talk to somebody about the Lord. I'm going to hand somebody a gospel tract. I'm going to do something to get the Word of God out. then would you face the reality of hell? It's a real place. And people are going there. And then focus on the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. Out of a heart of gratitude, how can we do less than give him our best and live for him completely? Maybe you need to come to this old-fashioned altar tonight and do business with God. We're not going to delay long, but if you need to come, we invite you to come right now. Just get up out of your seat. Come to this old-fashioned altar and do business with God. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then I'll turn the service back over to Brother Jason and I. Father in heaven, thank you for speaking to my heart once again. Lord, help us with our vision. We know that without you we can do nothing. We're 
confident that with you and the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things that please you. And Father, we want to please you tonight out of heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. Would you help us to be all that you want us to be? Thank you for these precious people and for Pastor Yancey and for the church dedication to get the gospel out through the many years they've supported us as well as other missionaries. And I pray that you continue to strengthen them and Help them to remain steadfast and sure in their testimony for Christ. Lord, give Brother Jason wisdom now as he comes. We'll thank you for what you do in our